Welcome to the Infrastructure Show. I'm your host, Professor Joseph Schofer of Northwestern University. The Infrastructure Show is designed to present to listeners the reality of America's infrastructure, its condition, why it is the way it is, and what can be done about it. We gratefully acknowledge contributions to sustain the Infrastructure Show from Dr. Robert Peskin, Dr. Raymond Ellis, and Andrea and Ron DeFeo. Large bridges always command attention. Some become icons of their host cities, and when those bridges are lighted, their visual impacts grows and glows in the dark. Today, lighting iconic bridges has become de rigueur. The San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge was illuminated in a different way, as artwork. The 25,000 LED dynamic display, called the Bay Lights, was created as a temporary display in 2013, and its popularity kept it lighted until 2023. Here to discuss the original concept and plans for its future is Ben Davis, who's founder of Illuminate, the arts nonprofit that developed the Baylights plan. Ben, thanks for being with us this morning. My pleasure. Ben, give us a, a better description of the Baylights when they're functioning, the features, the mechanism, the technology. Sure. First of all, let me say that I don't have a company. I run an arts nonprofit, and there's a big difference between the two. Um, the Baylights is actually a vision that sort of came through me um, more than a decade ago. I had spent uh, much of my life uh, helping communicate on mega projects, big infrastructure projects. Among them was the largest public works project uh, in California history at the time, the uh, the seismic retrofit of the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge, including the uh, creation of the new eastern span of the Bay Bridge. Um, and, and I know the history of the bridge quite well and was trying to figure out how you could let this bridge shine in the region's consciousness again. Um, it was the first bridge in the bridgeification of the Bay Area in 1936 when it opened, there were four days of celebration. There were, you know, symphonies commissioned and poetry and light shows. And then six months later, the symmetrically perfect sister to the north, the Golden Gate Bridge, opened and the world's attention drifted. And and the Golden the, the Bay Bridge became, you know, the, really this hardworking, grime-covered Cinderella Bridge, uh, second busiest bridge in America. And I was just trying to figure out how you could let the bridge shine in the region's consciousness again. And one morning, I was at the ferry building here in San Francisco. I was watching the sun come up behind it, and it struck me that it could be a canvas of light. Um, the idea filled me with a, a, a strange and beautiful energy. I decided to walk it out into the world um, and ended up two and a half years later with the help of the artist Leo Villarreal, uh, transforming that bridge uh, with a 1.8-mile-long, 500-foot-tall, in the sky at least, uh, work of public art called the Bay Lights. The patterns on the bridge are really Leo Villarreal's um, staying in the area for a long time and looking at the patterns of nature, looking at the built environment and putting those through a, his own filter of abstraction. Um, and then his own very sophisticated and beautiful set of uh, software that lets what you see in the bridge, actually, you never see the same thing twice. It's a randomized set of very highly cultivated patterns that just have an exquisite beauty and elegance to them. So uh, at an apparently a variety of colors? Uh, no. Uh, there was a choice early on, while well, you know, this LED technology would let you bring uh, RGB color into it. Um, there was this desire to stay in the vernacular of the new eastern span coming out of the bridge. It was an all-white structure with white lighting on it. And so um, we have white lights only that go through, you know, 256 shades of the color white on a LED that, um, that create the sense of patterns and movement on the bridge now. And how are the lights attached to the bridge? It, 
there there's this there's the suspension cable uh and then there's a suspender cable yes the suspender cables there's 300 suspender cables that that come down from the main cable and hold the road decking up um and so the the lights actually are zip tied onto those cables those 300 cables there's 25,000 of them in total and and where is the control center where is the pow- where is the power coming from the Bay Bridge, actually, the western span of the Bay Bridge is sort of two bridges designed to look like one connected by this, what they call the center anchorage of the bridge. Yes. This is, a, this is a big slab of cement in the middle of the bridge, as much cement as there is or concrete as there is in the Empire State Building. And the brains of the Bay Lights live right in the center of the bridge. So they're in a, sep- a separate cabinet, or are they within that uh, support structure? Uh, there's, a, there's a huge sort of abyss inside that uh, center anchorage. Mm. And as part of that, there's a there's a transformer and power station, and there's a there's a sort of a whole array of things that control the bay lights and a few computers inside there. Now the, the bay lights are currently not on after uh, ten years. Um, they were starting to fail at a rate faster than we could keep up with the maintenance. So, uh, you know, it's a very difficult environment for electronics with the high winds, the salty air, the twenty four seven vibration, the expansion and contraction of the cables, lightning strikes. You know, you name it, and everything that could challenge electronics is there. So, we're actually in the process now. They're they're um, dark right now. We're working to bring them back um, with actually a new configuration with double the number of LEDs. Actually, so there's fifty thousand. We're gonna not for more brightness, but actually to wrap on both sides of the cable so we can deliver this. We're calling aesthetic equity to the entire bay right now. Um, they point really just at the, the high-rises and mostly the North Bay of San Francisco. Um, but we're going to bring them back so that they can all the communities can share them and the beauty of them. And actually, um, we're working with uh, traffic officials uh, so that we can um, have drivers on the bridge actually experience as you're entering San Francisco at night. You can come to this portal of public art and see the city opening up in front of you. So right now, the, 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 or when the lights were working, they were not visible from the roadway? Not very much. You sort of knew with, as a driver, everyone knew you could see them in your rearview mirror and enjoy them that way. But we were super concerned about um, driver distraction, as we rightfully would be when we first started this project in 2010. You know, the world has changed a lot since 2010. You, you didn't have a 17-inch monitor in your car or the, the, the uh, Salesforce tower with a nine-story tall television screen in the middle of the city. You didn't have this phone tripping in your pocket all the time. And uh, and we feel like, you know, there's no turns in this bridge, and people can pretty easily navigate their way through this low-wattage field of monochromatic, um, gently-moving abstract patterns. Um, if you imagine now the sphere in Las Vegas and the sort of visual uh, attraction that that creates, um, we think that, that we can um, work carefully with folks to make sure we're never doing this un- anything that's unsafe, but actually delivering a great amount of joy to people driving on the second busiest bridge in America and really redefine what it feels like to enter San Francisco after sunset. So the, the bridge is a Caltran bridge, is that correct? It is. So I presume you're working in a close collaboration with them. Uh, working with a lot of agencies. Caltrans is certainly one of the lead agencies. There's another group here called the Bay Area Toll Authority, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. We also work with California Highway Patrol, Fish and Wildlife, United States Coast Guard, Homeland Security, you know, you end up working with all the groups to make sure you have a safe project done. Interesting. So it's a, a, quite a broad collaboration to make this work. Uh, it was considered an impossibility when we started it, um, and it really was. There was no way to say yes to an idea like this. But to the credit of the people inside those systems, um, they found a way to deconstruct and reconstruct the, the system that's designed to say no so that we could say yes to something beautiful in our world. 
And I think it, you know, it, it created a source of inspiration for many other, actually almost every other city around the world. There's a lot of bridges, and now people look at them in a different light. So going forward, are you working with the same artist? Yes. Yes, we are. Leo's, Leo's great. This is really, you know, why I had the sort of vision rolled through me. He had the specific vision of how it could work on this, on this structure. And we're delighted to have him back. He's gone on to have quite a rock star career. You know, he's done nine bridges over the River Thames in, uh, in London. Um, and has a, has a very, very um, strong, you know, creative artistic practice. So we're very grateful to have him come back and, and, uh, and you know, take on this challenge again. It's, it's different to have this now sort of a 360 configuration, so he'll have to reimagine and take a look at what that feels like and make sure that's an aesthetically powerful experience as we move forward with this next version of the Bay Lights. So how do you make that 360 vision work? The, the suspender cables... My, my guess is that they're on the order of two or three inches in diameter. So putting something on one side isn't going to do it. Yeah, well, you're right. Previously, we had a one and a quarter inch node behind about a two and a quarter inch thick cable. So, you know, you, you couldn't really see it when you were coming across the bridge. You could if you knew sort of how to look. Um, this time, we'll, we'll wrap it so there's a node on both sides. And we'll, we'll make sure that the brightness is working for drivers. We're not going to create any hazards. Um, but there'll really be a, a node on one side of the cable and a node on the other side of the cable. And each of those will have, you know, at least 180 degrees of viewability. So you'll be able to see it all the way around the entire mm -hmm. bridge rather than just on half of the bridge. And the computer control system, can it control lights individually or, or does it control the whole system in, in one action? In a sense, each one of these uh, LEDs is individually individually addressable, uh -huh. and we'll have it sort of in two hemispheres. Uh, because part of part of my promise to the folks in the traffic side of things is if if we really can't come to the place as we're installing this and testing it uh, carefully that it feels safe, we'll just won't turn it on on the one side, and we'll be satisfied with the way the bay lights were previously. But we're going through the stretch goal of trying to have this piece be three sixty as, again as a matter of aesthetic equity for all the other communities around the Bay, and really as a form of, once again, San Francisco leading the realm of public art and, uh, and, and showing that you actually can have a powerful experience entering San Francisco at night through this 1.8-mile-long portal of public art. So are you saying that, that, that each LED is uh, digitally addressable? Yes. I mean, I'm not super technical, but that, yeah, each one is absolutely addressable. Um, and part of the trick of this is really getting them to work as a whole with no latency. So there's, you know, you're, you're, you have to make sure you have extreme tight control across uh, all 50,000 of them, basically. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a complicated system, uh, and we have some amazing folks. Um, who, this time, you know, before we were using an off-the-shelf product from a sort of international conglomerate, this time we're actually working with an American-based company called Musco Lighting, who are out of Iowa family-owned group, um, the beautiful reputation. They did all, actually, the lighting on the eastern span of the Bay Bridge uh, that has survived beautifully for the past 10 years, and we're very excited to have them on this project solving some of the challenges that we're facing. So that this is a not just a, an exquisitely beautiful experience, but a very durable um, interpretation. of these. So, so Musco Lighting, are, are, are they building the software? They're working with, um, they're, they're building sort of the interface to receive the artist's software, so they're collaborating. And again, I'm not super technical, but there's a lot of discussion to make sure that um, we have a successful solution and integration of, of the software that the artist uh, has used and wants to use and the, uh, the platform that we'll be delivering from him to express himself on. Can you give us an, an estimate of the capital cost, the cost to build, and maybe the cost to maintain it, keep it going? 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's the total cost that we're raising through private philanthropy to bring the Baylights back in this new configuration uh, with a you know guaranteed to be there and, and look beautiful for a minimum of a decade is eleven million dollars. You know that's some of that is to say um, I don't know about four or five of that is kind of the development and the uh, the of the new technology and the building of it and the testing of it. And then there's a pretty significant installation cost to actually get up on the bridge. You know, the Bay Bridge, you, you need to catch a lane closure to even get on the bridge at all. So you're, you're $25,000 a ship just to get up onto the bridge, and you have to do that between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. So there's a, there's a pretty rigorous process, an expensive process to get them up. Um, and, uh, and then there's just other costs associated with the installation. Then there's actually another uh, roughly $3 million for a 10-year fixed-cost maintenance pro- um, on, the pro- on, the, on this particular project. Um, and at the end of the 10 years, we'll, we'll sort of assess what's happening next. I have a strong feeling that we're going to have a very durable system in place. And um, just based on Moscow's um, history and the commitment I can see in them, this is how they're going to make this project work, is to really make it work well. So presumably they see other markets going forward. Yeah, I think this is this is in their R and D sort of zone um, for them, but you know it's a great project. It's fun. They've done they've done some of the most amazing lighting of fields. Every NASCAR track I think in the world, you know, Levi Stadium here in San Francisco, a lot of NFL stadiums. They're the world leader in some of these outdoor lighting platforms. But to move public art and particularly, you know, fairly exquisite form of it, working with artist Leo Villarreal. Um, I think that they, uh, I think the world will come knocking on their door a bit if they can solve this problem, and they will. And you're raising, or someone is raising the funds to pay for this? Illuminate, the nonprofit arts organization that I run, yes. uh, is raising the funds to do this. And again, this is all private philanthropy. There's no corporate sponsorship. This is all the culture of generosity making this happen here in San Francisco. Okay, and what's been the public response? Um, people love the Baylights. It, it has become, over the course of 10 years, um, a familiar friend. And, and, you know, it runs from sunset to sunrise every single, uh, every single evening. And there is a hole in the night sky for many people right now. People are very eager to see the Baylights come back. We are actually uh, have a million dollars left to raise, so we're getting very close to, yeah. our, to our fundraising goal. And, uh, and once we hit that, then we'll, you know, we'll really restart this project in earnest and we'll start forecasting its return date. Sounds pretty pretty interesting. So what is your target for turning on the lights? Soon as possible, but no sooner than the time that's required to both raise the money and make sure we're installing a robust system. So I would guess that, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that people will see the lights come back in 2024, um, but, uh, but I do have another million dollars to raise. So um, that's, my, that's the focus for me, right? That's, that's an important focus. So, so how long d- does the installation t- uh, take? So my understanding from what you said is it's a totally new installation. The old stuff uh, goes away and, and new technology is, is applied to the bridge. Yeah, we'll keep sort of the electronic and maybe some of the networking backbone along the, the lower deck of the bridge, which is uh, durable and can hold up. But everything else um, above that is new. Some of the cabinets we'll keep. But, um, you know, all the important stuff uh, is new. And, um, and it'll take – it's going to be interesting because actually this time – each one of the strands of light is, is actually custom engineered exactly to fit it. So you only have to run one strand up before you have to get five or so strands to get to the length of the taller cables, and it took a lot of complexity in the installation process. So we're not quite sure yet, but we're optimistic that it might go a little faster on the installation this time than previous, uh, previous installation. 
And um, and we won't really know until we get into the thick of it. And a lot of it also depends on things like weather and, you know, in the efficiency of the shifts and the rhythms that they can catch. Um, but we're expecting, you know, anywhere between, I, I would guess, you know, between two months and four months to get the, the actual installation up. Not not bad at all for a bridge of that size, I would say. Yeah, it's a pretty, you know, it's a it's a step and repeat process, right? The the late, the length of the cables change. There's four different towers, um, and you just sort of work your way along. You know, the other part of this too is is we do need to work carefully with the, the traffic engineers and California Highway Patrol to make sure that we all agree that we have a safe installation. So we have a series of uh, steps that we'll go through um, to make sure we're you know we're not taking any any um, risk with public safety. But I'm, I'm, I feel very confident that we're going to get there. It's, it does not seem out of the realm of me that people can handle this um, driving on a straight bridge with a little bit of white light on one side of them. Okay, so presumably, for, as you described it, it sounds like you've got some experimentation to do, to do a partial in- installation and s- see how drivers respond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, the reality is, is that there's about, about 5% of the budget is, is the risk part of the budget. This, we, the difference, it's funny, the difference between installing lights on one side of the bridge and installing lights on both sides of the bridge and the total cost of $11 million, it's about a $600,000 risk that we're taking. Um, that's not trivial, but I think, I think the reward is high enough. And there's also things we can do because it's so uh, customizable that if it, it felt like you know the bottom 10 feet uh, should be dimmer or off, we could do that. We could rotate. We can create some baffles. There's some things we can do to make sure that we're we're engaging in a safe process. But there's no real way to test it other than to test it on the bridge. So we look forward to some careful testing and hopefully um, open-mindedness uh, with the traffic officials that we'll be working with. We're already in deeper conversation. But, you know, this is people's job to make sure the bridge is safe. And I, I, I take their job seriously. They do. And we'll find a way. So uh, is will, will Caltrans manage the... Uh the test, the field testing. Uh, Caltrans uh, will be there. California Highway Patrol will be there, and really anyone else they would care to invite to make sure that we have a safe expression. Okay. And All right. This will be maybe a multi-step process. The, the truth is, we haven't completely determined the process yet. There's, you know, so, there's different theories. One is you sort of titrate up and put an eighth of the installation out. Some other people want to see half of it before they start making determinations. So we'll we'll go through a process uh, that ultimately will come down to a common sense agreement. Um, and again, uh, you know, we're not going to do anything that jeopardizes public safety, and we're willing to take the step of not not turning it on on the inside at all if that's what it comes down yeah, to. Seems like a right decision. Are you targeting other cities and other bridges? No, uh, I'm not. Um, my goal is to make San Francisco an amazing, beautiful place. I've turned down offers to work in other places around the world. Uh, I am sort of living a life experiment here, which is to, instead of sprinkle lights in places I don't know, I, I, I love the infrastructure of San Francisco. I'm staying put, going deep, and doing a lot of different projects here uh, in the city of San Francisco uh, that are distinct in nature, although light is often a common theme. Sounds like a set of good decisions that you've made. Ben, thank you very much for talking with us today about the Bay Lights. We look forward to reports that you've turned them on, and we wish you well in the future. So thank you very much. You know, I will say I've, I've spent my whole life uh, helping people to understand and concentrate and often support um, infrastructure, uh, websites, award-winning work, blah, 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 and nothing has tuned people into the built environment like this one bold gesture across the sky. Well, quite an achievement, and thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to The Infrastructure Show. If you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did, please subscribe to our podcast and encourage your friends to join us too. The Infrastructure Show is recorded at the Studio Media Recording Company in Evanston, Illinois, under the direction of Scott Steinman, recording engineer with a commitment to great sound. Our producer is Marion Sowers, a journalist with a passion for infrastructure. And I am Professor Joseph Schofer. Few people are more curious about infrastructure than I. Mm-hmm.